Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Last week, we talked agriculture. We're going to continue that conversation today with part two and how your tenants can be trees. Today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. If you love real estate and have always wanted to own your own business, listen up. The Real Estate Guys and their panel of experts want to teach you how to go full-time fast in the real estate syndication business. These next few years may go down in history as one of the best times ever to acquire investment real estate. There are deals everywhere if you know where to look and how to assemble the resources. The Secrets of Successful Syndication Seminar will show you how to make big money doing big deals from a team of experts that have syndicated projects totaling more than $1 billion. Don't wait for someone to give you a raise or create a job for you. Attend the secrets of successful syndication and learn how to build a team, raise capital, find deals, and make full-time money in six months or less. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. All the big players use syndication as a way to diversify risk, optimize profits, and earn big money. You can too. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio show. I'm your host, Robert Helms. With me, as usual, co-host financial strategist, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. You know, we're making a bit of a departure a couple weeks in a row talking about agriculture. Certainly one way you can make money in real estate and not something we talk about all that often, but more and more with the calorie crunch and with all kinds of folks chasing yield. This is a very interesting type of real estate investing. It really goes back just to the basics of what real estate investing largely is. Real estate serves basic human needs in many, many different ways. Housing is the most obvious that a lot of real estate investors first think about. But if you really consider that population growth is at the core and the demand for more and more real estate for a variety of purposes. And when you think about agricultural real estate, whether it's food or building materials, the growing population is going to put a growing demand on that particular commodity or that particular group of commodities. So it creates an investment opportunity. Well, it does. And just like when we analyze markets as rental property owners, we look for markets that have strong reasons that people will want to be there, whether they're going to move there and buy, if I'm a real estate developer, if they're going to rent, if I'm a landlord, if they're looking for a place to go to work, if they're going to vacation, whatever it is, we're studying the markets to see the trends. The same is true in agriculture, and it's even more so because different crops and different uses of land tend to happen in different geographies. Certain real estate markets, when it comes to buy and hold residential properties, react different and have different types of tenant bases and different demand levels and different seasonality. The same is true when it comes to crops. One of the things to get your mind around, I think, to start is the fact that if I have only ever invested in residential property, I'm pretty used to the whole monthly cash flow thing. Someone lives in my building or they are a tenant in my commercial or retail center and they pay me rent monthly. Not the same when it comes to agriculture. There are very few crops that pay monthly. Right. Obviously, when you're investing, you have to make that core decision. Am I investing for long-term growth? Am I investing for current income? And then there's ranges in between. What are your liquidity points? Obviously, something that's throwing off cash every month. 
Well, that's what a lot of us are accustomed to, and it lines up well because our utility bills, our mortgage payments, all of those things typically come in on a monthly basis. And so when you look at other types of products that you can have in real estate, sometimes it pays differently. I mean, it's really no different. If you were to carry back on some equity that you owned in a property in a sale that you did and you deferred any monthly payment and you just accepted a balloon payment a year or two years or five years in the future, you've effectively done the same thing. So in this case, you don't get to dictate the terms necessarily because the nature of the commodity and the marketplace and how it takes that commodity and when it's ready to be distributed is really going to dictate what your cash flow is. What you have to do as an investor is just make sure that you line up those liquidity points with your liquidity needs. Yeah, that's absolutely critical. And as we look at agriculture, it's very, very different. Last week on the show, if you haven't had a chance to hear last week's show, go back and check it out. We talked to Alex Wilson from Precious Timber and those crops can take years dozens of years sometimes to yield and we talked to Juan Fisher from Uruguay and really what they focus on is farmland with at least annual crops before we're done we're going to talk about a crop that is a once a year harvest crop that can make a lot of sense for folks and we're going to talk about one of those longer term type time horizons but it really has to do with you as an investor we always talk about your personal investment philosophy sometimes there are parts of our portfolio where we really are trying to create monthly cash flow but other times we want to put capital to work and we don't necessarily want or need it to come back every month every quarter or even every year lots of investors are not interested so much in monthly cash flow as they are putting their money somewhere which can preserve its value and grow over time I think that's a huge point, and it's really an important thing that every investor needs to think about for portions of their portfolio. You know, in traditional financial planning, we call it asset allocation in your portfolio different segments of your portfolio are designed to do different things. You may invest certain portions of it for preservation of wealth, very conservative, very protective type of investments you're going to put in that section of your portfolio. Other things you're going to want current income. Sometimes if you have a high income tax bracket, you're going to be looking things that either defer income or uh, are tax-free. And they're either in a shelter or the nature of the income is such that uh, you don't have to pay tax on it because maybe it's a municipal bond income or something that's tax exempt. Of course, then you've got the big long-term capital growth. And the goal for capital growth is that it outpaces real inflation. And in a balanced portfolio, you're trying to do a little bit of everything. And then you shift your weighting or your focus, uh, depending on the season of life you're in and what current circumstances you have and what you're trying to accomplish and when you're trying to accomplish it. The beautiful thing about agricultural investing, especially this type of thing, is it marries uh, several of those different components and it adds on to it some things that you really can't do with a lot of conventional investments having to do with international diversification, uh, having to do with uh, privacy and asset protection. And then getting your assets really completely out of the banking system in a lot of ways. And if you look at putting your investments in a traditional system, it's going to be owned by a brokerage company. It's going to be held in a bank or it's going to be with an insurance company. I mean, there's going to be counterparty risk. There's going to be a high degree of tracking and the ability for 
creditors and predators to find it. And so the ability to be able to diversify that part of your portfolio so that you can add in privacy and asset protection and some of these other features is really one of the most intriguing parts of this kind of investing to me. I think one of the most important things you talked about there was this idea of counterparty risk. And there are very, very few investments that are completely free of counterparty risk, meaning that you're relying on somebody else. Take renting a single family home. You're relying in many ways on the employment of your tenant. As long as they have a job and they get up to go to work, they're going to pay their rent. But what happens when the factory shuts down or they lose their job or whatever happens to their income durability, it affects you. Now, if you've chosen your market correctly and you've got a great property, you're going to find somebody else. But there is going to be that time, the two most expensive things in buy and hold real estate where there's a vacancy between tenants and the turnover cost to get it ready for the next tenant that eats into our performance. One of the things we love about agriculture is despite what's happening with the economy, with the geopolitics, with everything else in the world, crops grow. Now, it doesn't mean that they're not without trouble. And part of your analysis, if you will, when you look at a particular agricultural play is to decide what the risks are. Are there risks of the environment and of weather and of the durability of the crops and of damage and all those things? Of course there are, but it's a different risk parameter. It's not more or less important. It's just different. Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, you can really mitigate well with any type of commodity investing is market risk. When you, you mentioned your local tenant and the local job and the local economy, local being the operative word, when you are investing in a, a normal income producing piece of property like a rental property an apartment building you really got to get that local economy solid because that income is going to be coming from the local economy whereas when you're looking at something like food or crops or timber something like that or, or even mining metals and, and other things that you pull out of the ground that aren't necessarily renewable which is a whole different discussion you don't necessarily have to get the local economy right you've got to get the global economy right in other words if there's going to be a demand anywhere in the world for your commodity, then you're going to have a market and it doesn't have to be where you are and that produces the cash flow. And so to me, that mitigates a lot of the risk that you have as an investor because you don't have to be as sharp in understanding the local economy. You just have to understand, gee, as I look at the future, are we going to have more people or less anywhere in the world? And are those people going to want building materials and food? If the answer is yes, then probably you're going to have a market for your commodity, no matter where you're growing it on the earth. So today is part two of two of our series on agriculture. When we come back, you'll meet another provider of agricultural investment today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Live nationwide, you're listening to the Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. Are you achieving everything you want in life? What if there was a time-tested way for you to get everything you've dreamed of? The most successful people in life set goals and keep themselves accountable. But how? The good news is that it's not rocket science. You too can learn the skills and unleash the motivation that will create success in your life. And now is the time. Hi, this is Robert Helms. I'd like to personally invite you to attend Create Your Future, the 2017 Goals Retreat, January 6th through 8th in beautiful San Diego, California. This unique weekend has been called phenomenal, inspirational, and life-changing by the hundreds of people that have attended. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com and click events or call 888-489-7723, extension 18. 
Get your life back on track physically, spiritually, and financially. Attend the 2017 Goals Retreat on the first weekend of the new year. Click events at realestateguysradio.com to register. This is no dress rehearsal. Live the life you were meant to. Visit realestateguysradio.com or call 888-489-7723, extension 18, today. If you want to retire in the next five years or less through real estate, then please pay close attention. My name is Brad Sumrock, and I've taught thousands of my students how to replace their incomes, quit their jobs, and retire faster than they ever thought possible by not investing in single-family homes. You see, there's a secret to retiring fast with little risk, and it has nothing to do with being a landlord, fixing toilets, or flipping houses. The secret is multifamily apartment buildings. Starting from scratch with zero experience, I managed to pocket over $1 million in cash and retire from my 17-year corporate job within three years of apartment investing. Now, this is not your typical no-money-down real estate training. We believe in smart, hard work for intelligent people. So if you're good with your finances, have a decent job, or saving your money, and you're looking for a change in getting out of the rat race, then investing in apartment buildings might just be the answer you've been looking for. Send an email right now to sumrock at realestateguysradio.com to get the details of my upcoming training event and you'll also receive my free training webinar, Apartment Investing for Beginners. That's sumrock, S-U-M-R-O-K, at realestateguysradio.com. Hello, this is Robert Kiyosaki. I'm the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And if you're serious about learning how to invest in real estate, listen to the Real Estate Guys. They really know what they're talking about. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Heard every weekend on this great radio station all the time at realestateguysradio.com. We're talking today about a different kind of investment, something that is more of a legacy investment that certainly you might get benefit from, but also your heirs might as well. And that's a different way to think for real estate investors. Please welcome to the show a uh, guest that I've known for many years. She was on the Investor's Summit this year, but her first time on the Real Estate Guys. Let's say hi to Rachel Jensen. Hi, thank you so much for having me today, Robert. I really appreciate it. Well, we're very happy you were able to make time to be on the show today, especially because you're a busy gal and you have something really unique to talk about. On the summit this year, we had you do a roundtable on this topic and people were mesmerized by it. So the legacy investment that you guys talk about is actually investing in wood, specifically teak. Tell us about that. Exactly. And teak has been a really popular commodity for centuries. It's a hardwood for those who aren't familiar with teak, a very, very fine hardwood that's been used for centuries for wood products. Uh, really remarkable qualities that it has about it, which makes it such a popular investment. You probably heard about teak wood furniture. Teak has been used on boats uh, as well on decking because it has the qualities. It's resistant to rot, termites, uh, fire. So when you're thinking about an investment or you're thinking about ownership of timber, um, typically you're thinking about what risks could be, right? And with, with teak specifically, because it does have these remarkable qualities, it's a popular investment. It's it's a really neat product. If, if you have any teak, you probably understand why it is you decided to own it, whether it's the furniture, but the remarkable qualities of it really make it a fabulous product to own. Well, it's interesting, you know, any kind of a timber investment, just to get your mind around it, you know, most agriculture is an annual yield, a crop, and if you're participating in that, you're going to get some cash flow annually. Well, when you think about timber, you, you don't get a lot of 
of yield from it unless it's an apple tree or a coconut tree. If it's, if it's lumber, then it's going to grow for a period of years and then you're going to harvest it. So that is a very different type of economic model. So we'll get to that. But before we do, the idea of investing in timber is interesting and there's a huge demand and likely will continue to be. Absolutely. And we've seen specifically with teak, it's being harvested at a rate about eight to 12 times quicker than it's being replanted. Teak is grown naturally in four countries, and those four countries, Laos, uh, Myanmar, former Burma, uh, India, and there's one more, but um, they've recently placed logging bans against removing teak from the countries because it is being harvested so quickly and not being replanted. So that's a problem worldwide too with timber and, and reforestation is that there's not really an incentive to replant after you come in and do this logging. So that was a problem. It still is a huge problem in the four countries where teak is grown naturally. And as a result, we've been seeing that more and more countries that have similar climates um, have been growing teak and doing plantations. And a lot of the countries that are incentivizing reforestation projects make it available to private investors. And a lot of the countries, the four countries, um, a lot of the timber there is owned by the government. Sure. Right. But in countries where, such as Latin America, for example, they make it an incentive to re uh, for reforestation projects. So teak in, in Panama has been absolutely popular. We've seen that uh, in Latin America, Panama is the second largest producer of uh, teak in the region. So the first is Brazil. Of course, Brazil, Brazil is huge, but Panama comes close behind it. Um, and the reason that Panama has been so popular is because of the reforestation incentives that the country offers to the investors, right? So you commit, of course, to the reforestation incentives, which means you commit to replanting, which is great for the, the, the world. And um, for making sure that the, there are forests, but it's really been an unbelievable product and an unbelievable opportunity for folks to commit to this replanting and be able to participate and own their own parcel of teak, especially because it is such a popular product. Well, this is an interesting thing when it comes to the timber industry anyway, because in areas where there's plentiful growth, many times these folks would come in and harvest it and not worry about planting it. Well, today, when we talk about sustainability and sustainable forestry, that idea is that you have a plan, typically a plan that extends for many, many years to make sure that you're reforesting so exactly. that you're not depleting a resource, you're continuing to renew a resource. And yet, you really have to think ahead. How long does it take from the time you plant a teak tree until you can harvest it? There, well, there are two times in a teak's lifespan where the time value makes the most sense. One is at age 25, and the other is age 60. We're finding that a lot of the privately owned teak forests, and, and this one specifically too, age 25 is where there is the harvest, because that makes a lot of sense. It's easier for folks to think on a 25-year uh, plan that compared to a 60-year plan, and also you do get the best time value at age 25. So in order to really take advantage of that, you're going to be looking at something that's about 25 years of age, but you're right, you do have to wait that 25-year period. And for a lot of folks, that is a little bit harder to understand, but we're seeing that with the, long, um, the long-term investors, people who understand the benefits of generational wealth stewardship, uh, that teak and, and timber has been a really secure plan for them because it does continue to grow no matter what is happening. 2008, uh, when the rest of the world was falling apart, the teak and, and timber continued to grow. In fact, there was a 9.5% increase in, in timber price that year. So it's been incredible to even just see that growth. And it's nice because it's peace of mind, turn 
turnkey where you just let it grow. Mother Nature does her thing. And as long as it's, the teak is planted in the right climate, uh, where it needs well-drained alluvial soil and it also needs a, a dry season and a wet season. If it's too dry, then the teak is not going to be growing properly. It'll be stunted in growth. But if it's too wet, then the teak is going to grow really, really quickly, but it'll be oversaturated. So you really have to see where it is that you are planting, making sure that it makes sense um, to do so. But Panama and, and thinking generational wealth stewardship, thinking in the long term uh, really makes sense. And, and, and also when you're thinking about your portfolio, right? A lot of folks want to have that diversification, international diversification as well. So going to a country that you feel secure in, that you, you know, Panama Canal's been there for over a hundred years now. Great economic activity going on in the country, so there's that stability part there. Panama uses the U.S. dollar. They don't have their own currency. It does. It certainly does. So it makes it convenient if you want to go down to Panama, check on any of your trees, or just experience the country. But it does. And, and going back to the generational wealth stewardship and, and having a 25-year harvest cycle, again, it is a little bit harder to think about, but it makes a lot of sense in order to, when you're thinking about your heirs, your kids, your grandkids, I just read a report that said that college tuition in 2030 for a private school is going to be around 71000 to $100,000. Wow. It's incredible. And to know that you're able to set your family up um, for that that ability to even go to college, right? Because at the end of the 25 years, you're going to have this lump sum of, of cash. And what's nice is that, I mean, it's a liquid investment. You can sell it at any point, right? You have title to the land. It is it is yours. Um, but it also makes it a little bit harder if you have those kids or the grandkids who who like going out on the yachts and just spending all their days or that they're trust fund babies, perhaps, and they just want to relax and, and do nothing. They can't really come in and, and take that investment out of the portfolio. They'll just continue to let it grow. So it's been used for centuries uh, by a lot of the top 1%. Harvard Endowment Fund, they have 10% of their assets in timber, uh, which is huge. It's a $30 billion fund. 10% of that is in timber. Yale uh, Endowment Fund, they also have an investment in timber because they like the peace of mind. They like knowing that the trees are going to continue to grow no matter what. But you can always come back to um, having that generational wealth stewardship and, and making sure that there's something for the kids, the grandkids. If you don't have any kids or grandkids, think about your favorite niece or nephew, and, uh, and you can always title it in their name down the line. Well, and after 25 years, you're not done. You plan again, right? Exactly. And that's one of the perks of being the reforestation incentive. So in Panama specifically, they really reward the reforester, right? You, the owner. And they do that by two uh, advantages. One is you don't have to pay any income tax in Panama at the time of harvest. Okay. So th this specific plantation, it's only eight years away until harvest, 17 years old already, which is a huge advantage. But in eight years from now, when you do have your final harvest, then you're not going to have to pay Panama taxes. You will have to pay in your home country. Uh, but you're not going to have to pay in Panama. And then the other incentive is that there is no property tax. So by having and committing to reforestation, you have those two advantages. But uh, you do replant and you could you commit to replanting, which again helps the community and the the economy and, and just the world. And your investment. <laughs> yeah, of, yeah course, of course, of course. It's really quite inexpensive to replant, uh, depending on the size parcel that you have. It could range from 300 you know, plus, depending on on how big your parcel is. So well, let's uh, cover something that you kind of glossed over, but I think is one of the huge advantages <laughs> is the fact that this isn't about, and even though you guys are looking at planting some brand new teak trees, and, and uh, that makes a ton of sense today for the reasons you mentioned, but 
there is a project where the trees were planted 17 years ago. Talk about that. Exactly. So this is one in Panama. It's uh, 17 years of age already. So there were six private investors who came together over 17 years ago and decided that teak was an investment that they wanted to make. So they went around the world looking at the right location for teak. Again, you need to have that well-drained alluvial soil. You need to have the right climate for it. And Panama was that specific location. So they purchased uh, quite a bit of land there, planted the trees, and then they've opened it up about three, four years ago. They've opened it up to private investors, people who want to get in on the timber industry, but don't necessarily have the means to be spending two, three, four million dollars on hundreds and hundreds of acres. Typically, when people are are looking for land or they're looking to get into the timber industry, the entry price is expensive, right? Because you have to buy all of this land, you have to cultivate it. When you're looking for buyers of timber, typically they're not going to be buying an acre of, of timber. They're going to be buying large quantities of it. So this opportunity has allowed people to get into the timber industry, put their foot in the door, and to be able to, to really take advantage, reap the benefits from it. We understand not everybody has the funds like the Harvard Endowment Fund or the Yale Fund or, or Ted Turner or anybody else who has large um, acres of teak or timber, but uh, this, this allows people to do so. So it's 17 years old already, eight more years until the final harvest. It is a 25-year harvest cycle. Uh, again, there are the two time values, 25 and age 60, so this is a 25-year cycle. So only eight more years, which is it's not that long. It's not that long. Time goes by very, very quickly. And it's nice, you just kind of forget about it, right? Because you don't have the annual property taxes. There are no annual fees either. So you just kind of put that one-time low-entry fee in and then you wait eight years and, and you'll see a return from it. So it's exciting. So, so the way that an individual can get involved is rather than buy hundreds of acres, instead you've subdivided into smaller parcels. They own that parcel and that's their parcel, but they're putting it into the plantation, I'm, I, guess, I guess, so that all of the harvesting and the sales and all that is taken care of you guys. How does that exactly. work? Exactly. It's really quite easy. So uh, you decide how many acres you want or how many parcels you want. And then from there, there's paperwork that you complete and then you get title to it. And after that, uh, there is a professional management team. Heo Forestal is the name of it. Starts with a G if you're going to look them up. Heo Forestal. But uh, they've been managing teak plantations, timber plantations for years in Panama. Uh, they're really quite no well known in the region for their services and for the quality that they do. So they're the professionals. They're there on ground. They manage a lot of the other parcels of plantations throughout the country. So uh, they really know what they're doing. So you've, you can go down and visit if you want, uh, but it's really going to be managed by Heo Forestal. Who, who takes care of everything. They do the annual cleanings, and it's really quite simple. And that's what we like. We like simple turnkey investments where you can turn your back to it, know that it's still going to be growing, know that it's going to be taken care of, and then eight years from now, uh, we'll be uh, sending you a check or, or wiring you some funds for, for the return from. We're talking about investing in teak, a uh, beautiful hardwood, and we're going to learn more about that, including what it costs when we come back. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. Forbes rated Memphis the best cash flow market in the nation. And our good friend Terry Kerr at Mid-South Homebuyers has been the premier turnkey rental property provider in Memphis for over 13 years. With an A-plus rating for the Better Business Bureau, Terry has renovated over 750 houses. Real Estate Guys listeners have snapped up hundreds. Discover what these satisfied investors already know. Mid-South's properties are completely renovated with a one-year warranty and a lifelong rental guarantee. They're affordable, well-managed, and easy to own. Perfect for beginning investors and veterans alike. Get in on the action. Contact Terry and his team via email at midsouth at realestateguysradio.com. 
Hi, this is Patrick Donahoe of Paradigm Life. Wall Street and banks spend billions of dollars per year in advertising with the goal to convince you that they are the solution. But take a look around. None of their advice has worked. The number one concern of all Americans is still money. So are you ready for another way? I've spent the last 10 years teaching people like you a superior way to build wealth and financial independence outside of Wall Street. I've developed a free e-learning program called Infinite 101, where you can learn about the perpetual wealth strategy. In this free program, you'll learn how to build your wealth without a 401k, IRA, or mutual funds. You'll also learn how to establish private financing without ever having to walk into a bank again. These are just two of the many ways this free program can propel you toward financial independence. Simply go to paradigmlife.net and click on the register button on the top right corner of the page to gain instant access. Hi, this is Anthony Mercury from Hotel Impossible, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, heard every weekend on this fabulous radio station and all the time at realestateguysradio.com. It is part two of two shows in a row on agricultural investing. Before we get back to our interview with Rachel Jensen about Teak, it is time to play a real estate trivia. That's your chance to win a prize by knowing the answer to today's real estate trivia question, which is going to have something to do with Teak. As soon as you hear the question and think you know the answer, you're going to send us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name, the answer to the question, and your physical mailing address. If you have the right guess and you're first, you'll get a copy of Robert Kiyosaki's latest book, Second Chance. That can be yours for today's real estate trivia contest. Last week on The Real Estate Guys, in our first part of our agricultural program, which we broadcast from New Orleans, we asked this. New Orleans is the home of the Superdome, now called the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, which primarily serves as the home venue for the New Orleans Saints. Why is it called the Superdome? Well, the answer is its steel frame covers 13 acres, and the 273-foot dome is made of a multi-ring frame with a diameter of 680 feet, making it the largest fixed dome structure in the world. Pretty super. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. In which country does the world's largest living teak tree grow? Yep, which country boasts the world's largest living teak tree? It's a big old teak tree and it's really old. You would ask such a hard question. Oh, leave me alone. If you think you know or just want to take a guess, perhaps you heard some hints during the program, then quickly send your email response to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name, the answer or your guess to the question, and your mailing address so we can send you a copy of Robert Kiyosaki's Second Chance. That's today's real estate trivia question. We're talking today with Rachel Jensen about a legacy investment, in this case, hardwood teak in particular. And uh, this is fascinating stuff, Rachel. Let's talk about how an investor gets involved. What are the sizes of parcels? What does it cost? And then how does that work? Can they use IRA funds? All those kinds of things. Sure. So it's really quite simple. You uh, start at a quarter acre of ownership. So you don't necessarily okay. need to get in on the, the four, five, six acres. It starts at a quarter acre going for $15,700. And at this point, what you're really owning is the land. Of course, you get title to it, but also the trees that are growing. 
growing on the land. So trees valued at, at 17 years of age when they're only eight years away from harvest has a big value to it, right? Trees continue to grow over time, and in, in turn, they grow in value as well. So $15,700 for a quarter acre of teak. And then typically folks go for two to four parcels, which amounts to about half of an acre to one acre of teak, but it's up to you. And there are monthly payment plans as well. So it starts at $15,700. Uh, you can break that down over a five-month payment plan, 0% interest, which is quite advantageous, and then you get title to it. So it wow. is yours. You do own it. So fairly inexpensive. You know, yes. you think about this as a legacy investment, and I think, well, I can picture a bunch of gray hairs wanting to leave this to their kids. But I'll tell you what, at that price, a millennial today could put together a group of buddies, go buy a parcel. They'll see the first or even maybe the first and second harvest themselves and then leave it to their heirs. So sounds like not only does it make sense from just a long-term part of a portfolio, but the fact that the cost to enter is pretty small. It is. And we are seeing that a good number of folks who decide to own, yes, we have the grandparents and folks who are thinking about their kids or grandkids, but then we do have a, a large group of younger people who they're thinking about their kids or their grandkids. They may not have any at this point, but they know the value of it. They also like, and I'm a millennial myself, so I understand it. I like knowing that I don't have to do anything with it. Right. I like that I put the 15,007 in and I can turn my back and in eight years from now, I'll, I'll have a nice check waiting for me. So it's that sort of security too and knowing that it's easy to get into. It is low entry. There are payment plans which make it a lot more accessible too if, if you don't have the funds just sitting there. But it is very inexpensive. And you mentioned uh, before about self-directed IRAs and if you're able to use it. And you are able to own it through your self-directed IRA if it has an LLC, if your self-directed IRA has an LLC attached to it. In Panama, ownership of um, land, they don't really recognize a custodian for self-directed IRAs. So if you do have an LLC, though, it doesn't matter where it's domiciled, you are able to do that. All right. So anytime we talk about anything tax-related, check with your tax professional. But uh, there's a lot of advantages. And then there's the whole international diversification. Today, a lot of folks are just looking at how can they get involved in an investment that isn't necessarily tied to their home country. Our podcast is heard in more than 190 countries, and not every one of those countries has great property rights or great investment value. You. So this could be a really great way to instantly become an international real estate investor. It's true, and it's really, really quite easy. Panama is very investor-friendly, so you don't have to be a resident there to own property. You don't have to be a citizen there to own property. Anybody can own it as, as long as it's in your self-directed IRA, LLC, personal name, or there are other structures that you can certainly hold it in. All right, but speaking of residency, as we like to say, wait, there's more. Let's talk <laughs> about the fact that this could be a way to become eligible for residency in the country. Exactly. So through investment of land in Panama, you are eligible for the Friendly Nations Visa. The Friendly Nations Visa is one of the most popular residencies in the world right now because you only have to visit one day every two years. There are a lot of residency programs where you have to visit six months out of a year, or at least 30 days out of a year. And with this residency, it makes it a little bit more accessible to people who may not necessarily know where they want to go down the line, but they want to have a plan B or a backup plan just in case they Maybe they don't like where the country's headed, or maybe they just want to spend more time outside of the country, and by having a residency, you're able to do that legally, able to spend as much time in the country as you want, and it does lead to a citizenship if a second passport is of consideration to you. But the Friendly Nations visa has been really, really popular because you only have to visit one day every two years, and also because you can get your work permit on it. So for folks who are thinking, all right, I'm going to go down to Panama, I'm going to retire down there, then three days later, they're on the beach and twiddling their thumbs, right. and they go, Oh, I'm ready to work. If you're under a different residency, you may not be able to. So you're able to legally work in Panama 
through the Friendly Nations visa. Now, that's not a requirement to invest, but it is a benefit. What are the additional costs if I wanted to, say, apply for that residency? Exactly. It's $4,300, and those are attorney fees and legal fees. So with that, you get a few benefits. You have the residency, of course, the attorney fees, and then you get a, a Panama bank account, which is one of the requirements of getting residency. But don't worry if you're a U.S. citizen. It is easy to open a bank account down there. The attorney goes with you to do everything, so it's really quite easy. And it also adds a corporation. So if you're thinking about asset protection, maybe you want to hold the teak parcel in a corporation, you're able to do that. Maybe you just want to hold the, the corporation open down the line. You can put investments in it. It's really up to you. So it, we call it the asset protection bundle. It's a lot more than just protecting your most important asset, which is yourself. You also get the corporation and you get the bank account with that. And you can add dependents. So this is, the, I think, one of the fun facts about the residency is that you can add children uh, up to 18, 18 to 25 if they're enrolled in college. You can add your spouse, and you can include your parents on it. Wow. Yeah. So we have had families of eight. Twelve, I think, was the largest that we had, uh, where the whole family went down and, and received residency. So, And that's $1,900. So okay. it is quite affordable. You can protect the entire family, protect yourself, and just have a plan B in your back pocket for down the line. All right, so the investment we're talking about today is 17 years in, eight years to go. But let's look beyond that because I know you guys are looking at doing more of this. For someone who wanted to get in at the ground level, literally, uh, and you're starting out, and it's a 25-year horizon, is that program here today or is it on its way? Yes, that one, and that one's located in Nicaragua. So we did a lot of scouting around the region to see where where it made the most sense, right? Because you got to go back to the climate and the soil to see where you'd produce the best teak. And we found a parcel in Nicaragua that's phenomenal for that. And it's a 25-year, the, the trees are newborn trees. They were planted in Ju January in the nursery, and then June they went into the ground. So that one is, yes, from ground up. And that program's a little bit different where you actually start seeing uh, returns uh, starting in year 12 because you receive the thinning proceeds from it. And Nicaragua isn't as advantageous with the reforestation incentives, uh, but, and, and I have a nice comparison about all of this. So if you're trying to take notes ferociously over there, we'll, we'll get that over to you. But uh, in Nicaragua, yes, it's a hectare, so 2.5 acres, that starts at 53,000, and the net projections look fabulous on that. All right, so lots of different ways to get involved with hardwoods, yes. and in fact with teak, and uh, teak is a tried and true wood, that's for sure, and it's a wood that sells at a premium. It so does. that's part of it. The part I was interested to hear about that I didn't realize is just how hardy it is. Most hardwood is like that. But you're right. If I was going to invest in a, a forest of pine, well, if one fire and my, my entire yield goes away. In this case, the teak is pretty hardy, resilient wood. It is, and it has a lot of remarkable qualities to it, which is also why it's very, very popular in homes, right? You'll see homes, and in India and in China, they do a lot of this with the beams and the columns and the floors, and, and even the ceilings are made out of teak because they are so secure. And from an investment perspective, when you're thinking about securing your investment and what the risks could be, you really mitigate that through ownership of teak because it's resistant to fire, termites, rot, a lot of things that may be on your mind when you're, you're thinking about that. So it is really quite remarkable, yes, as an investment, but also as a product after uh, you harvest it and, and turn it into to a product. So it's quite neat. And I'm guessing that the trees don't call and complain about their neighbors or about their increase in rent or any of that kind of stuff either. No, no, luckily they don't. I didn't give them my phone number. All right, excellent. They just grow. Well, listen, this is a whole bunch of great information and we sure appreciate it. If you're interested, Rachel's put together a whole packet of information. All you have to do is send an email to Teak. That's T-E-A-K. Teak at realestateguysradio.com and we'll get that out to you. Rachel, great stuff. Thanks so much for taking time to share with us. Oh, great. Thank you so much, Robert. I appreciate it. All right, you're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. More when we come back, I'm your host, Robert Helms.
Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. All aboard. Registration is now open for the Real Estate Guys 15th Annual Investor Summit at Sea. Imagine spending an entire week with like-minded investors, world-class educators, and real-world professionals. Returning in 2017 are sales legend Tom Hopkins, international developer Beth Clifford, attorney Mauricio Raul, commercial mortgage broker and syndicator Michael Becker, and the author of The Creature from Jekyll Island, G. Edward Griffin. Plus, joining us live and in person for his fifth investor summit, Peter Schiff. Plus, more to be announced. It all begins April 1st, 2017 in Houston, Texas. Visit realestateguysradio.com and click the tab that says Summit to learn more and reserve your spot. This transformational week is like no conference you've ever attended. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click Summit and make plans to spend a week with the Real Estate Guys and an all-star faculty on the 15th Annual Investors Summit at Sea. Are you ready to profit in paradise? Hi, it's Robert Helms. And if you think real estate investing means tenants, toilets, and termites, think again. Located just a short plane ride from the U.S., a virtually untouched paradise awaits. The beautiful country of Belize. When you go to Belize with the Real Estate Guys, you'll spend four fabulous days discovering one of the most intriguing real estate markets I've ever seen. With its jungle rainforests, pristine beaches, and 81-degree turquoise water, Belize is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Plus, it's considered one of the top seven tax havens in the world. Belize property is on the rise, and many experts think the best is yet to come. But don't just take my word for it. Come experience Belize firsthand at our upcoming investor field trip. When you join us, you'll discover the many reasons we love Belize, like tremendously undervalued beachfront land, super low taxes, ease of doing business, and so much more. Get the details at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. See paradise for yourself. Click events at realestateguysradio.com, and I'll see you in beautiful Belize. Hi, this is Mark Skousen, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Tell a friend about The Real Estate Guys. Great information from Rachel Jensen. Yeah, what a sharp young lady. Oh, my goodness. So she's so articulate. She really knows her stuff and uh, just loved it. Yeah, so much to think about there. You know, first, I think the first thing you get your mind around with Teak is just the longevity of the investment and starting to think in those legacy terms, depending on your investment horizon and what you want the outcome to be of all that. It's a long-term investment. It's not the kind of thing that's going to return right away. But as we look at our portfolios as investors, we need to have some of that stuff. It makes sense. And especially if you have some sort of a legacy plan, if you have kids, if you have grandkids, if you have nephews and nieces and folks that you care about, if you have causes in your life, this is a way as an investor that you can make sure you're putting something away for all that. Well, I think at this particular time in history, it's also really important to think about this because you certainly have a worldwide phenomenon of pushback against a lot of established institutions. Uh, We saw the Brexit vote. We saw what happened here in the U.S. with Donald Trump, what's going on in Italy. Uh, I'm guessing that trend is probably going to continue. And that's just saying that there's the potential for radical, substantial change in a lot of these institutions. And notwithstanding the political motivations, you've also got the economic realities uh, and the fact that these institutions have been around for a very, very long time. Then they got the technology part of it. And technology is 
disruptive also in the scope of finances. So whether you're concerned about the counterparty risk, the derivative markets, how big the bond market has become because of central bank policy, the future of the dollar, there's a lot of things to be concerned about over the next 10, 20, 30 years. You know, if you're a day trader and you're listening to these people talk about, oh, this is going to happen, gold's going to shoot to the moon, or we're going to have a collapse or this or that, and it doesn't happen for a year or two or three, or a lot of people give Peter Schiff grief because 10 years ago, uh, he talked about the crash and he still thinks that the fundamentals that would cause that big, big crash uh, are still coming. I'm not saying he's wrong, but if you have a short time horizon, you get impatient. Maybe you get lulled into sleep like the boy who cried wolf. I don't know. But when you look at this type of an investment, it's a way to just step outside of all of that and just put something down that you know 40, 50, 60 years, uh, notwithstanding uh, radical changes to private property rights, uh, it's going to be there for you. And especially if you picked a durable crop, we're talking about longevity, but there's the durability factor. If you pick something as far as a commodity that is tending to hold up well to changes in climate, which is another discussion that people are concerned about, something a little bit more durable, then again, you found a way to insulate your wealth and put something outside of uh, a lot of the obvious risks. And we're not saying dump your whole portfolio into it, but it's a place you can go and know that 40, 50 years down the road, you, your family, I mean, depending on how old you are, maybe some of us are still going to be around in 40 or 50 years. I'm hoping I am. And so I'd like to know that I've got something there that has survived whatever may happen. Well, and the other part of the durability of the crop is the fact that the very nature of some crops is such that it's got a shelf life, right? If my crop is a fruit or a vegetable, once it's picked, it is on a time fuse. That's not exactly the same for wood. Yeah, some particular uses of wood, they want it aged, they continue to kiln it and those kinds of things, but it doesn't have such a short shelf life. In fact, this week I was with our friend David Sewell, who has another commodity, coffee, and one of the great things about coffee beans is they have a long, long shelf life once they're harvested. Now, that's a crop that is harvested just once a year. In fact, they're just right now in the start of that process. Usually it starts mid-October and goes till around April, depending on, of all all things, the elevation of the crops, different elevations get picked at different times, right? You learn something all the time, but their crop comes out once a year, but it has a long shelf life. One other thing to consider when you're picking an agricultural investment. Well, I think the other thing that's really brilliant, I've said the term commodity several times uh, in this episode, and one of the traits of a commodity typically is that the competitive differentiating point the price. And it's awfully hard to make a profit when you're competing on price. Uh, one of the things that David has done so brilliantly is he goes and buys these coffee farms that are producing commodity coffee and he turns them into specialty coffee. And he narrows the target market to people who are willing to pay more for a better quality cup of coffee. But he also is able to eliminate a lot of the commodity competition and create greater margins. And so he ends up creating a more profitable crop. And so there are ways, even in the commodity business, to find a competitive edge. And you know what David is doing with his particular strategy, I think, is brilliant. Well, it's going real well for them. I think they're just now uh, closing on their eighth coffee farm in Panama. So by listening today, you certainly should uh, get the information from Rachel. If you're interested in Teak, just send an email to teak at realestateguysradio.com. If you're also interested in coffee, 
You can send an email to coffee at realestateguysradio.com and you'll learn all about that. Agricultural investing may not be for you, but it's certainly worth considering. And that was really our idea about uh, putting these two shows on at the end of the year is that we just want to make sure that we're always looking at lots of different ways to invest in real estate. And for folks who have done a particular niche or in a particular demographic or geographic market, having a lot of eggs in a basket is great if you watch the basket. But there is certainly something to be gained by diversifying. And this is a way to diversify product type and physical location as well. Well, And I think the other thing, too, is most of these uh, investments are not leveraged. And so if you're concerned about a bubble economy, if you're concerned about a lot of leverage working its way into different aspects of real estate and pushing prices up to unsustainable levels based on income, you don't have as much of that when you're investing in markets where there isn't leverage available. Now, with that said, that doesn't mean that you can't use leverage. You know, one of my favorite techniques is to leverage a property in an economy where there is leverage available and perhaps some bubble equity that I'd like to get off the table. And if I can refinance a domestic property at a high price and a low interest rate and create a deduction in the U.S. and effectively transport that equity offshore and bury it in a long-term investment like a parcel of teak or coffee uh, that's going to produce income down the road and be very safe from predators and creditors and private snoops and all that stuff. That's a technique that I think can make a lot of sense. So just because there isn't financing perhaps readily available, I know Rachel mentioned that they do have some in terms of willing to carry back. I'm not exactly sure how her terms work out. But the point is, is there's a lot of different reasons why uh, getting off the beaten path in real estate investing, which granted takes a little bit more education, a little bit more time in due diligence and really thinking about how the thing fits into your portfolio. But if you're willing to go that extra mile, you'll find that it's not as crowded and you're better able to make an investment that still makes good financial sense when a lot of people are piling into you know, the quick and easy side of the market and pushing cap rates down, for example, or effectively the reverse of that is bidding prices up to where it's awfully hard, even at today's low interest rates, to have the property uh, have a sustainable cash flow where you feel like you can control that debt over the long period, well, equity happens. On the 2017 Investor Summit at Sea, we're going to be talking agricultural. We've had lots of folks who are there to talk about that, different crops. And here's what's great about it. You're going to get the lecture, if you will. You're going to hear the overview and see the pictures and understand what some of the agricultural plays are. But then you're going to have the week to talk to those folks and really get your mind around it. It's always one thing to hear information one way. It's another thing to be able to get in conversations. And we are super excited about the summit. But if you're excited about it, you better hurry because over 150 people are already signed up for our 15th annual Investor Summit at Sea. We have room for less than 200, which means you need to not miss the boat. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about everything going on in the world right now and how important it is uh, to see things through a global perspective, to see the macro, and also to discover new niches and new ways of doing things. I mean, when you get a chance to spend time with people who are looking at the global economy at a macro level, and you're able to have real-time conversations with them and ask how what they see affects you and what you're doing, and then you're able to bounce ideas off of other investors who are in other marketplaces and are into different product types and have different ranges of experience, you literally can get a two-year, three-year, four years worth of of 
uh, education, if you will, in terms of life experience, all crammed into a week if you just work it right. And the thing is, it's tons of mixing. We keep ourselves very isolated from the rest of the people on the ship. We're spending time in the in the conference room. We're spending time in private cocktail parties, and we have dinner together, and we mix that up. So you're always dining with different people, having good quality conversations leisurely over dinner. Uh, obviously, you build friendships, hanging out at the beach, dancing late at night, all the different things we do. Uh, it's not restful. It's not a vacation, but it is a ton of fun and it's no wonder that probably 60 70 percent every year of uh, our summiteers are people that have been with us before and really make this their annual checkup their annual retreat their annual get together with friends from around the world and uh, you know we had chris martinson on the show some time ago and he was talking about social capital and how important it is in uh, rocky times to have a good social network of people and i can't think of a better place anybody could go which is why uh, we do it is to get connected with a lot of people around the world and build good friendships and the summit is perfect for that and we welcome first timers absolutely but not only do we get our summiteers to return so do the faculty this will be the third year we'll have g edward griffin the author of the creature from jekyll island the fifth year that peter schiff and his lovely wife lauren and their family will be joining us the fourth year for sales legend tommy hopkins and the 15th year for the godfather of real estate bob helms so come on out to the Investor Summit. All the details at realestateguysradio.com. Both Rachel Jensen and David Sewell have been on the summit with us. That's how we get to know these folks. That's how you can get to know a lot of amazing people. And big thanks to Rachel for sharing her information with us today. Again, if you're interested in Teak and want to find out more, all you have to do is send an email to Teak at realestateguysradio.com. Until next week, go out and make some equity happen. This episode of the Real Estate Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors. From attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the Resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show.